This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeaky, live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an eight 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 money pit. The Money Pit is presented by Pony Jorgensen Clamping Products. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And welcome to the fall home improvement season. It is beautiful out. It's just the right temperature to take on projects inside and out. If you've got something you'd like to get done, we would love to help you with some tips, some ideas, some suggestions to help you move that project along and create your best home ever. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about flooring projects first up. Did you know that... Flooring is a fall season project. It is. It's the busiest season of the year for floors. And it turns out, though, that flooring is not just being used for floors. There are a lot of designers now that are using flooring on walls. So we're going to talk about some of those trends. And pretty soon it's going to be time to take out your window screens for the entire season. And before that happens, there's one thing that you really need to do to make sure that they're going to last through the winter storage and be ready to go next spring. So we're going to share those steps in just a bit. And ceramic tiles are a very durable and easy to care for surface but has this ever happened to you you broke a tile either from misuse it fell off the wall it got cracked on the floor and of course the tile project at this point is years old perhaps and you don't have any extra tiles we're going to share a solution with you on how to find those missing tiles so it looks like they never left but first what's on your fall to-do list guys are you thinking about a project that you'd like to get done while the weather is pleasant and beautiful or maybe you'd like some of those fall colors into the design of your home well let us know we are here to help so give us a call we're standing by to help you guys out that number is one eight 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 money pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. And if you call us with your question, we will also add your name to the hat for a chance at winning a cool set of clamps from Pony Jorgensen. These are called the Easy Hold Bar Clamps, and they are the perfect clamp for dozens of home improvement projects. Kind of like having an extra set of hands around when you want to get something done. So give us a call right now. Let's get to it. The number again is one eight 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 money pit. Leslie, who's first? Judy in Iowa, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? I'm in a house that my father built back in 1990. Okay. And while they lived there, they experienced black spots coming through on the um, drywall. Okay. And they called in a painter. A painter came in. He went over everything with kills first and painted it. Well, since then, they both passed away. And so I purchased the house. Right. I had a friend take a look up in the attic, and he told me, oh, I can't believe that your father wrapped all this in plastic. Your house can't breathe. We need to get up here and slice this plastic, let the house breathe, and you won't get any more of these black spots. So does he think the black spots are mold? I don't know. And what room were you seeing it in? Every different room. Yeah. 
Okay. It's almost like it's the uh, nail heads are getting wet or something. Okay, so up in the attic, let's talk about that area. You say he wrapped it in plastic. What exactly are you seeing? Well, I didn't. I haven't been up there. <laughs> I, oh, okay, uh, your my friend na- saw it. My neighbor went up. All right, well, look, when it comes to vapor barrier, here's the rule. The vapor barrier goes towards the heated side of the house. So a common mistake, for example, up in attics is to put the insulation in backwards where they have the vapor barrier sort of facing up as you're in the attic looking down. And the solution to that is to cut the vapor barrier. I've seen that in crawl space too, where they put the vapor barrier because it has the nailing flange on it, a nailing tab on it uh, at the edge of the beams, and it's on the wrong side. So as long as the vapor barrier is between the ceiling uh, and the insulation, it's done correctly. If not, then yes, you can go up and slice the vapor barrier and let it breathe more. The other thing to do is to make sure that your attic has adic- adequate ventilation, and the best ventilation is a continuous ridge vent, which goes down the peak of the roof, matched with soffit vents at the overhang. Okay, that's what I needed to know. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Bill in Missouri on the line who needs some help choosing a kitchen sink. Tell us what you're working on. Well, I'm having a kind of a tough time trying to decide on these new materials and stuff that they're making the kitchen sinks out of now. Yep. And my wife didn't want a stainless steel sink, and okay. she wanted one that was, you know, colored or white, uh, one that would be easy to keep clean and wouldn't show scratches or cracks or anything like that okay and i was trying to keep away from the cast iron because that's what we have in there right now those things weigh a ton and they've got some new ones that we were looking at over at the lowe's store and it's called a swanstone which is a man-made product and I, I don't know how good those are i've had some experience with those composite products and i will say if she's accustomed to a cast iron you know porcelain sink she's not going to be happy with a composite sink because they are a lot harder to keep clean. I mean, I've got one that's sort of like the undermount sink that's made of the like sort of one of the Corian wannabe products. And whenever we, you know, put wine in it or tomato sauce or something like that, it does leave a stain and we have to get the Bonami out and sort of scour the bottom to keep it clean. You know, there's there's if you're used to a cast iron sink and that is definitely the easiest one to keep clean, i got to tell you. You know, the one we've got hasn't, hasn't been that easy, and it, it's, it's shown scratch marks, you know, where the pots had cr- uh, scratched it. And, I, you know, I just thought, well, you know, we'll just get something easier to clean. Right. But it has a nice, smooth, cleanable surface that doesn't stain. That's the nice thing about, about cast. I was telling Leslie uh, last week on the show that I just replaced a sink for my mom, that was an AmeriCast product, an American Standard product. Yeah. And it was actually covered by a lifetime warranty. So it had started to rust and chip in one corner. And 17 years after she bought it, American Standard gave her a brand new sink. Wow. And it was a cast iron, you know, like a porcelain enameled kind of a sink. And, uh, you know, she had a beige one that we took out, and they gave us a new beige one, almost the same configuration, 17 years later, and popped it back in. Well, I, I wanted to tell you... Thank you for taking my call, and I really enjoy your shows. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit, and good luck with that project. Susan in Montana is having some drainage issues with the driveway. Tell us what's going on. I had my office driveway resurfaced with asphalt, and I thought that the people did a really excellent job until we got a monsoon rain and all the water was collecting and I had I had to leave to go down to Colorado and I got a frantic phone call from my husband telling me that 
the water was backing up into the house, and it was like a big pool. And I called the asphalt people, and they're not responding to me. Well, listen, if they just resurfaced the driveway, they're not going to do anything to change the pitch. That's true. They did do it, but they deliberately, supposedly, they had the pitch so that it would drain off into the lawn. And they didn't quite get that right. So how do you fix that? Yeah. If the water is draining down the driveway back towards the buildings, in other words, it's never really draining off to the lawn anywhere, then what you have to do is you have to put a uh, a curtain drain in the driveway itself and in a driveway basically it's a job where the driveway is essentially sliced in half you know they, they slice out a chunk of driveway that's maybe six inches wide and you drop this trough into it so that as the water falls down the driveway it drops into the trough is a grate on top and then it runs out the bottom of the trough and of course that requires some additional plumbing so to speak because you have to hook it up to drain pipe to take it to the lowest place on the property to get rid of the water but that's how you drain a driveway that's that's uh you know not pitched properly and typically that's put like right near the house or right near the garage lip or something like that so that it catches the water you know at the lowest possible spot so who would i call for something like that a plumber you're going to need a general contractor that can install that for you. I mean, a driveway ceiling company is not going to do it. Um, a general contractor that could do that, you know, it's kind of a handyman project. It's not a difficult project. It's not a really time-consuming project, but you essentially have to cut into that driveway and install a drain. You've got to catch that water and you've got to manage it. And that's the only way to do it, Susan. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's AirDoctorPro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, 
fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. All right. Give us a call anytime at 888-MONEY-PIT. In addition to getting help with your home improvement projects, we give away great prizes. And this hour, we have the Jorgensen Easy Hold Expandable Bar Clamp Package. Now, it's pretty great because these are really handy clamps. So you're going to be able to tackle a lot of projects with just one hand. And you can actually join them together to actually help you with the bigger projects. You get a set of eight clamps, including 6, 12, 18, and 24-inch clamps worth 170 bucks. You can learn more at PonyJorgensen.com. We're going to give that package out to one listener drawn at random. Make that you. Pick up the phone. Post your question at moneypit.com or call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. All right. Now we're welcoming Tim from Illinois to the Money Pit with a water heating question. What's going on? Oh, I have a uh, nine-year-old water tank, Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to uh, get the rod that collects all the minerals out, and it didn't want to come, so... I was afraid of uh, busting some pipes, so I was curious, I just should leave it alone, and with it being nine years old, you know, it's almost at the end of its life, as far as the water tank, because I understand that water tanks are usually from eight to 12 years. Yeah. replacement. So you're, you've been trying to replace the anode and having a hard time getting it out, correct? Yeah, it's, I think it's rusted in, or, or I, you know. Sometimes you have to put get a little leverage on the wrench to do that. And once you get the wrench on the anode, sometimes you have to kind of extend that wrench handle to really get that out. It's a bit of a tricky job. But considering the age of the tank, I probably wouldn't spend much money on it because I think you're right. You know, 10, 12 years is a pretty average life expectancy for a standard water heater. And when it comes time to replace the water heater, you might even decide to upgrade and go with a tankless water heater, which is going to last you a lot longer and be far more efficient. And that that might be a good choice for me because uh, I'm single and no one else lives in the household. I'm gone most of the time. Yeah, well, that's the difference between a tankless water heater and a standard water heater. The water heater is kind of dumb. It just it eats the water 24-7 whether you need it or not. And when the water cools down, it comes back on and heats it some more. A tankless water heater is going to heat on demand. And so because that's going to be a lot more efficient for a single guy, but even a big family, you know, with teenage daughters, for example, that, uh, you know, don't know the meaning of a short shower, you know, they never run out of hot water when they have tankless. It just works very well in both extremes. So how much is uh, something like that? Uh, cost for insulation and so forth. Well, if you if you compare it against a high efficiency tanked water heater, it's similar. But if you compare it against a standard sort of low efficiency, it's probably going to be about twice as much. But it will last longer too, and you know you're going to save money on the on the energy bills too. 
Well, did you know that fall is the busiest season of the year for flooring projects? And you know what? It turns out that flooring isn't just being used for floors anymore. A lot of interior designers out there are actually using flooring materials in some very unexpected and really beautiful ways. And with as little as 100 square feet of flooring, you can step up that style in any room of your home by using floorboards to create accent walls. I think this is an awesome idea because if you think about it, what are your other options, right? you got Wayne's coating. That doesn't really fit a bedroom, for example, or a living room. Uh, you got wallpaper and, and you got paint. So this is a whole other direction you can go, and it works well in bedrooms, in bathrooms. It works well in family rooms, in basements, and it looks really, really cool. It's very, very trendy. You can do it in a weekend. It delivers a big impact for a relatively small expense because you don't need that much flooring to do this. You can choose from pretty much all the flooring materials that are available, so hardwood, bamboo, the wood look tile, the luxury vinyl or even laminate that all works well and looks great on a wall. Yeah, and you know what? It really depends on the type of flooring that you pick as to how you'll secure it to the wall. So for example, if you pick a plank, you put that to the wall using nails, glue, or even just wood flooring tape. I mean, it really depends on the weight of that product, the size of that product. So you sort of have to gauge it depending on what you pick. Now you also want to make sure, and this is with flooring in general, when you get that product, you want to let it acclimate in your home for a few days before you actually start that project. And then to get the best layout, think about arranging those planks side by side on the floor first. That's going to help you balance out the color and the grain. So this way, if you're getting any weird patterns or you're trying to achieve a pattern, you can really plan that out before you put them on the wall. And when you're ready to go, you install the first plank pretty much the same way you would do if it's on the floor. You start in one corner, usually like the bottom left corner of the wall area, and then just sort of work your way up left to right. And make sure you leave a bit of quarter and a half inch gap between the planks and the ceiling and the floor. This leaves a bit of room for the flooring to naturally sort of expand and contract. And then you can easily cover that up with some molding. Paul in Connecticut, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? We're working on a paint job where we, uh, we're covering rough cut cedar clapboards with Benjamin Moore Arbor Coat, a solid stain that's uh, self-priming. Uh, we painted over the same product that was previously sprayed uh, probably about, I'm guessing, seven to eight years ago. And what we're running into is just on one side of the house, we're, we're getting bubbles, hmm. uh, you know, like moisture bubbles. Wow. Uh, they, they receive, you know, it, it, it's morning sun on that side of the house, but we've never seen a stain, you know, a solid stain bubble up like that. We've seen it with paint. Well, cedar has to breathe, and sometimes when they install cedar siding, they don't leave enough space under it for it to breathe, and so it tends to get clogged with moisture, and I've seen that lift stain before. You mentioned that you're using a product that both primes and stains. I am not a fan of doing that with a staining product. I just, in fact, uh, repainted my entire cedar-sided house, and I did it the same way we did it uh, uh, over a dozen years ago, and that was we, we oil-primed it first. We used an oil-based primer first because we had good adhesion with the oil-based primer, and it really stuck well to the cedar, and then we put the solid stain on top of that. So once the paint starts to bubble, anytime you have a failure of adhesion, there's no way to put that back together. If that continues to get worse or if it looks bad enough already, you're going to have to take that stain off and start again. 
because you're just it's never you can't stick good paint over bad paint if there's moisture in there it's just going to lift that paint right off again so sorry to be the bearer of bad news but i wouldn't have done it that way i would have used an oil-based primer first and i would have put a solid color stain on top of it right that, that, that we're, we're getting that just on one side of the house yeah maybe it'll just end up being on one side of the house for whatever reason but at least on that side of the house, you have to pull that stain off and start again and scrape prime, scrape it and prime it properly with an oil-based primer, and then you can stain on top of that. What would, what would you suggest for an oil-based primer? I think if you stay within one family of products, I would use the same oil-based primer that that particular manufacturer makes for solid stain, but as long as it's oil-based and not acrylic or, water or latex-based. So now to remove that, to remove that stain that's on there now, um, that, that you're going to lose that rough cut finish. Um, well, if you wire brush it, perhaps not. You may be able to pull it off with a pressure washer. It depends on how well adhered it is. I mean, when we did my project, we had an unusual problem with the shutters. We were using a product that the manufacturer said did not need to be primed, and it worked well. But it took a long time to cure. And so some of the shutters were sitting around for an extra week before we put them back up, and all the paint peeled off of those. And so we had to actually strip all that paint off and start again. So it even happens to the pros. But once that paint separates, you got to pull it off. There's just no way to save it. All right. Thank, thank you for your help. Paul, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Andrew in Texas has had something very unfortunate happen to a pool. The steps broke. What happened? Well, we were uh, we were just chilling out in the pool one night, and it's got a brand new liner in it. And uh, in East Texas, they use saltwater pools, so you have to line them. And my buddy was getting out of the pool. He stepped on the fiberglass steps, which were not brand new. And unfortunately, his foot went through the steps. Now, the fiberglass steps are underneath your liner, or are these sort of sit on top as like a an attachment? Um, it's an attachment to the liner. They, they're two separate entities that are underwater. Okay, can the fiberglass steps be removed from the pool for repair purposes? Uh, I believe so. I have not tried it. In all honesty, looking at the, uh, the degradation of the steps, like the shape that they're in, I think it'd be easier to just do a quick patch right now, if that's possible, or just entirely remove the steps. But can I do that without sacrificing the liner? Yeah, if you can get the steps out of the pool, like disconnected and out of the pool... The easy way to do that patch is with more fiberglass. You can go to a auto uh, repair store like a Pep Boys or a place like that that sells uh, perhaps uh, auto body supplies, and you can buy fiberglass. You can buy the fiberglass resin, and you can buy the fiberglass material itself. And you apply the resin to the step. You press the material in place. You let it dry, and then you would add more resin on top of that, and then more, and then gel coat to finish it off. Now, it's not going to match color-wise, but it could be very strong, and perhaps next time your friend won't step right through them. An easy fix is an easy fix, right? Yeah, but but the easy thing is to get it out of the water so that you don't have to drain the water, and you could you know do that repair you know on your on your, maybe in your garage on a workbench or something like that, and then just put the whole assembly back in after it's nice and dry and strong again. Andrew, does that help you out? Very much so. I sure do appreciate the help. Y'all have a wonderful evening. God bless, right? This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business 
but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, pretty soon it's going to be time to take out those window screens for the season. But before winter sets in and the weather begins to get super cold, it's a really good idea to clean your window screens so you can make them last. Yeah, I mean, think about it. The screens have been on the window all summer long. I mean, they've got a lot of sun exposure. They've got just a lot of like dirt and dust from all the lawn and yard work. So, I mean, they really do need some help before you store them away. So make sure you remove those screens and then put them on a flat surface. Your driveway is going to work best for that. Then use a mild soap and water solution and apply it with a soft bristle brush. That's going to remove all of that dirt and the grime. And you want to make sure that you clean both sides of that window screen and around the interior and exterior of that frame. Then rinse off the window screens with lukewarm water. So next, you want to allow those screens to dry completely before you replace them in the window. And don't even think about using a pressure washer on them while your windows are closed and they are still in the frames because you could damage them and the window, not to mention those leaking water. You're going to squirt right through those windows uh, into the house. Now, you can put those screens back in, or if you prefer, you can store the screens during the winter months. You want to make sure, though, that you keep them upright or flat and do not lean anything against them or put anything on top of them because those screens can get damaged so easily. Absolutely. Now, if you are dropping storm windows into place to keep cold air out, now is also a good time to clean those windows and clean and lubricate the tracks. And for all windows, take the opportunity to check the exterior spaces between the trim and the siding, because this is where you get cracks and gaps that will let a lot of cold air in. So recalk those as needed to keep the elements away. We've got a video that walks you through how to clean and store your screens on moneypit.com. Julian Colorado's on the line and has a heating question. My question is um, regarding heat pump and how energy efficient they might be because we're an all-electric house. Our electric bill is very high. And how is your house heated right now, Julie? It's heated with baseboards. And actually, we don't even really heat our house. We'll heat one room because it's so expensive. Right now, you're heating with electric resistance heat, which, as you accurately stated, is the most expensive type of heat. Now, a heat pump system would be far less expensive, but it would require a duct system to be installed throughout the house. So you would have that upfront cost of running the heating ducts. If you had that system installed, the way a heat pump works is it's kind of like an air conditioning system that runs all winter, except that in the wintertime, the refrigeration system is reversed. Now, if you've ever walked, say, by a window air conditioner in the summer, you know it blows hot air out the back of it, out to the outside. If you sort of took that window air conditioner out and flipped it around and stuck it inside, you'd have a heat pump. It would be blowing the hot air in the house. That's essentially what happens. It reverses the refrigeration cycle in the wintertime. Now, generally speaking, heat pumps are not always recommended for very, very cold climates because heat pumps only maintain the heat when there's a two-degree differentiation between what the temperature is set at 
what the temperature is and what the temperature is set at, I should say. So if you set your temperature at 70, it falls to 69, the heat goes on. If it falls inside to 68, the heat pump stays on. If it falls to 67, the heat pump says to its electric resistance backup system, which is always part of a heat pump, hey, I can't keep up with this. I need some help. Turn on the heating coils. And then you're not saving any money. So will it save, will it be less expensive than baseboard electric? Yes. But it has a significant upfront cost in terms of the installation because you'd need a duct system as well as the heat pump equipment. Does that make sense? Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. You can always call us with your home improvement question at one eight 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 money pit and you might just win our weekly giveaway. And today we've got the Jorgensen Easy Hold Expandable Bar Clamp Package to give away to one listener. Now, clamping tools are really the only products that Pony Jorgensen makes, and they do it really well. I mean, they've been doing this for more than 100 years, and I like these Easy Hold clamps. I've got a set of them myself, and they make it easy to take on projects when you just have like a single hand to kind of grab a clamp on something and gives you that extra set of hands, the extra set to hold. I've been working on a uh, makeover, and I was just telling my team here off air, I, I found a very old tricycle from the early 80s, I believe it was, and it used to belong to my nephew who had babies, and uh, now we're going to redo it for his kids, and we found that it uh, needed a total makeover, so it's like a little body shop in my garage right now for this little tricycle. That is a great project. And I'm using my easy hold clamps to hold things down while I bang them apart, put them back together, and so on. That set of clamps is worth 170 bucks, going out to one caller drawn at random. Make that you. Pick up the phone, give us a call at one 888 Money pit. Lee in Maryland's on the line with a concrete question. What can we do for you today? House was built 30 years ago, and I've been told by several contractors that my slab is 16 by 18 that I'm going to pour. I've been told by several contractors that I should put rebar into the house and connect it to the house, and then I've been told by other contractors that I should just put expansion joints in, and I don't know what to do. Okay, so um, this slab is for the garage? Now it's off the side of my deck. Oh, okay, so a patio, is that what you're saying? Yeah, it'll be right up against the house, though. Okay, yeah, I mean, listen, putting the rebar in and tying into the house is a good, solid way to do that, but... If you prep the soil right underneath it, I, I, I tend to think you probably don't have to do that. Most people, where they go wrong is they don't prep the slab, they don't prep the soil, they don't prep the base. And if that soil is uh, compressible, if it's topsoil, if it's mulch, if it's not flattened out and really tamped down mechanically, I mean with a machine tamper, then you're going to have all kinds of movement in that slab, and that's where you get in trouble. So. If it's just a matter of uh, being concerned about it dropping, you know, I guess with all the work you're doing, it wouldn't hurt to run the rebar into the house. You'd have to drill holes, set it inside the block wall, and then run the rebar into uh, the slab itself. But you want to make sure that slab is properly reinforced. If it's 16 by 8, um, you know, you're probably going to want to put a, a seam in it to give it some room to move without cracking. But um, I think it's not terribly necessary, but I don't think you can go wrong by doing it. But, again, the most important thing is to tamp that base under where you're going to pour the slab really, really well because, invariably, that's what causes the problems with slabs. And make sure you have a good pitch away from the house so that you don't trap any water against the house. You don't force water to run back into the house uh, even when it settles, okay? Okay. It had a base of concrete backwash tamped down really good, and it was starting to set up pretty good. But I was going to bring in some more 57 limestone and then pack it down. Do you think that would be ample or a good choice of rock to use? Yeah, I would go through the trouble of renting a mechanical tamper 
and using a, ta- a mechanical tamper. Because I tell you what, when you put that base in and you tamp it mechanically, it, be- it itself becomes hard as concrete. Okay. Thanks, Lee. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, ceramic surfaces are durable and really easy to care for, but from time to time, you might encounter the need to make a repair to that ceramic tile surface. Now, those repairs can vary from a grouting issue or to even replacing a cracked tile. Now, the problem with replacing cracked tiles is that more often than not, you don't have a matching tile handy. Well, we've got some magic tricks to make them reappear. Well, that's right. And something that happens a lot when you set out to do a bathroom model, because it's not always possible with an older house, even a 10-year-old tile can sometimes be really hard to find. But when replacing any tile, it's really always first choice, best to use ones left over from the original installation. Then you can be sure that the replacement tile is going to perfectly match the existing ones. But if you don't have any squirreled away, bring the broken pieces to a well-stocked tile store, and you might be able to find a new one that is a close substitute. Yeah. And you know, what you can also consider stealing one from an area that's not very visible maybe you've got the tile surface in a closet or it's under a refrigerator or the dishwasher removing that old tile can be a bit tricky but it's definitely possible and another option which tends to be a little bit costly is that you can have tiles made to order custom glazes mixed exactly to match the only thing is you've got to make sure that if you're having a tile made and say it's for a floor versus a wall you have to make sure that that surface has all of those standards that you would see when you're purchasing a ceramic tile for a floor because they have different ratings on them so they're not as slippery etc so you have to make sure if you're having one made that it's going to do the same thing now here's my favorite option because it's the least expensive and nine out of ten times no one's going to know exactly what you did let's say despite your best efforts you can't find the replacement you don't want to have one made it's too expensive whatever well you could just forget about trying to match the tile altogether and fill the spot with an accent tile. An accent tile could be a tile of a different color or a different texture. In that case, you might even want to randomly replace a handful of tiles around the floor or the wall to make the fix blend in with the rest of the field. I've used this approach a number of times over the years, and it's always interesting that you get so many nice compliments about the pattern after you're done. And folks really have no idea that it was done to solve a problem. They thought it was just intentional to have the mixed (laughs) tiles, and they look fantastic. So lots of options there. If you do have to replace a broken tile, don't have one around. There are some ways to get it done. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You can call us with your home improvement question, or you could post it to the Money Pit website, which is exactly what George in New Jersey did. That's right. George writes, after painting, I have two partially used cans of latex paint. Can the shelf life be improved if all the air in the cans to be stored were replaced with water to displace all the air? Ah, well, that's an interesting idea, George. Hmm. I don't think it's going to work. Uh, because with latex paint, the water is just going to mix in with the latex paint itself, and you'll have soupy paint when you go to yeah, open it up again. the paint will be terrible. I do have a few other suggestions for you that you may find helpful. When it comes to storing paint, you know, the life expectancy of leftover paint, most manufacturers are going to tell you it's about two years. My personal experience is it can last at least twice that long, but the success depends not only on where the paint is stored, 
like a cool, dry area. But even more importantly, the condition of the can, the condition of that seal between the paint lid and the paint can. Now, as you pointed out, the enemy of storing paint is simply air. So the more air that gets into that can, the shorter the life of the paint. So the seal is the key. Here's how you can make sure it's as tight as possible. First up, when you open a new can of paint, how do most of us do this? We use a screwdriver, right? Well, that's probably not the best tool because you can deform that paint lid and then impact the seal. The better option is to use a paint can opener tool. You've probably seen these at the paint store. It has a little bit of a wide lip on it and it grabs the, the paint can lid and opens it up without damaging it. Now, once you have it open, it's okay to use the screwdriver if you need to poke some drainage holes in the bottom of that channel inside the can, but don't use it to pry that lid off initially. Now, when you're done with the paint, you want to use the brush to clean that seam as much as possible. Get all that old paint out of it, and then you can use a rag to wipe the opposing seam on the lid. Because paint that dries in either area, either on the lid or in that can lip, is going to prevent that lid from sealing completely. Now, in addition, paint that sits in the seam can cause rust, which can discolor the paint. A lesson, Leslie, I learned the hard way. You know, a few years ago, I tried to touch up some woodwork in my home using paint from the same can that I initially had painted the wood with. And once the paint dried, I noticed it was a different color. It was more of like a, had like sort of a tea stain to it. And I was like, what the heck? I know it's the right paint. Well, it turned out that some rust had fallen into that paint and it had totally changed the color from white to a little bit of off-white, and it was very obvious when it did the touch-up. So learn that lesson from me. Now, when it comes time to seal that paint can up, what I like to do is to seal it first with a piece of clear plastic wrap, like saran wrap. This kind of helps act as a gasket. And then you can place that lid on top and tap it down gently at first so you get it set just right, you get the seating just right. Use a rubber mallet if you have one. If you've got to use a hammer, do it gently. You want to make sure it's an evenly distributed weight all across the top of that seam. Then what you can do, and this is the best tip ever, take a rag and lay it over the top of the can and bang it down through the rag. Why are you doing that? First of all, you're not denting the can, but if you left any drips of paint in that lip, it doesn't shoot out in all directions and cover you and the whole area you're working in in paint drippage. I've stored paint this way and had it last five years, so I know it works. Just take your time, and this way you'll be able to use it again and again and again. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Hey, thanks for spending part of your fall weekend with us. We hope we've inspired you to take on some projects around your house. If you've got questions about those projects, remember, you can always reach us 24-7 at 1-888-MONEYPIT. If we're not in the studio, we promise we will call you back the next time we are. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Live in a body pit.